Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. Hi there. Welcome to Lifeline, the Truth For Today edition. Pastor uh, Phil Howard, your host here tonight, your guest host, uh, moderator, yours truly, Andy Froyland. Good to be with you this evening. Thank you to Craig Roberts for giving us the time here on Lifeline to spend with you. And as we do, we're we're keenly aware, as everybody is, that this is the season. And there is a reason for this season, as everybody says. Now, I, I beg you, uh, if you're if you're starting to get weary of the Christmas message, please stick around. It is our hope and our desire to encourage you in Christ and to walk you through why why God would actually do what He did, why God would come to this earth, why He would visit that which He has created, and what it all means. From, from a perspective that we hope and pray brings glory to Christ and uh, incites in you, our listener, a desire to know Jesus more. I mean, that, that's our intent. We're bold and upfront with it, right, that's right our from the intent. start. <laughs> and we want to look at John and we want to look at Hebrews, where God begins to give you some of the divine reasons that the Son would visit this planet. He didn't come as an alien. He came as the Creator God, checking up on why the rebellion, why the condition. And uh, I think it's amazing that when Malachi ended, we did not realize that God would not speak for another 400 years. And his silence was broken by a baby's cry at Bethlehem. And that God is speaking to man again. And he speaks in Christ. And we want to see what he was saying to us in Christ. In the beginning was being the Word. And the Word was with God, facing God. And the Word was God. And I think it's amazing that John has Christ stepping right out of eternity with the title Word. Yes. Logos. I have something to say, world. I've got a message I want to convey to you that you may not have figured out in the prophets. You may not have figured out in the Old Testament. I'm going to go as far as I can to make my heart and mind known, and I'm going to do it in my son. And John calls him the Word, and he comes among us. And I love this. Uh, Don't get uh, bogged down here. The Word is facing one called God. 
and winds up saying the Word is also God. So we have a a Trinitarian God, the Word facing the Father, and he comes as a creator, magnificent. And he says in verse 14, God will come and temple in a body, dwell in a body. This is amazing. Not a spirit being alone, not just ethereal, immaterial. No, he will take substance. He will take a body. What a what a revelation. Because he said, God the Father has never been fully known. He told Moses, I, I want to reveal to you who I am. And I keep looking for a picture. Uh, God is, let's say, 10 feet tall. God, no, the picture of God that he gave was my character. I'm long-suffering. I'm merciful. I'm kind. I show mercy for generations. And he just starts revealing who his character is. Now, when Christ comes, I really expect God to send somebody to clean our clock. I mean, man has made a mess of his world. So don't you expect a divine visitor to at least come with a threshing machine. And instead, he said, he'll come full of grace and truth. And it's the last thing we really expect. Someone has said, uh, I think I'm reading a book by Randy Alcorn, who says, we've sometimes done a better job describing God as angry than we have in describing him as happy. He is the blessed God. He is the happy God. God stays happy. Uh, Today, you cannot take away his happiness. Oh, he knows all the sin. He knows what's going on uh, in Gaza. He knows what's going on in world events. But there's something in God himself, a core of satisfaction and at ease that he just says, I'm the happy God, and I want my people to be happy. And I think we need to paint both pictures, the happy God and the same time the God who is angry with our behavior. How do they mix? They mix in Christ. Mm. They come together. They, they do. And, you know, if you I, I had a friend of mine say that if if you cannot talk about the resurrection of Christ during Advent season, then you've got no business talking about the Advent mm. because there's a reason why this Advent takes place. There's a reason why Jesus, why God comes to earth. And I, I love the fact that you, you, you dipped into and I think that John is in John. Jesus is pervasive with this thought. He's he's weaves in and out of just about every chapter. I didn't come to condemn. Yes, that, that, that's 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 not the reason Jesus is on this planet. He doesn't come to get. We stand condemned already. He, he knows he that. He found us that way. Yeah, and 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 it didn't take him by surprise. Oh, he's no. not in heaven going, well, gee, I wonder what I'll find. No, he knows what he's going to find. No, no, he comes to save. He found us in the prison. We were already in prison mm. when he came. Yes, and he said, "I didn't come to lock you up." 
No. I came to get you out. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're already locked up. It's, it's like, no, I've come to set you free. I'm I setting the set captives you free. free. And I love the word for redemption. One of the words is luo. It means to loose or to destroy. And he said, we are the people he has loosened. Mm-hmm. And uh, Revelation 1.5 opens with that. The people he redeemed from their sin. He loosed you. We talk about the chain breaker. We talk about the, the enslavement to sin. And he came to break those chains. A greater than Moses yeah. has come to lead us out. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where we're headed here tonight on Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard as our guest host. We are uh, hoping to give you a journey in grace. Uh, if 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 you want to see it as a connect the dot kind of a game, we're going to go from the birth of Christ to the resurrection of Christ, and we're going to connect dots along the way. And as we do, I think you'll find that those dots are going to spell just like any good connect the dot game. It'll all spell grace. It'll spell grace, God's grace, God's amazing grace. So we've got, uh, give a, a, as we go to break here, Pastor Phil, uh, a quick direction where we're headed specifically. You've got what, what's in front of us today. I want us to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 2, a book that argues about the greatness and superiority of Christ over all other religions, all other, even a Judaism with its high priest, the superiority of Christ. And we're going to look at at least seven reasons here. God said, I sent my son to walk among you. And we're just going to pick them out of the text. They're right there in Hebrews 2. It's low-hanging fruit, to be sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so we'll, we'll dive into it. And that's what we've got in store for you here tonight on Lifeline. It is a delight having you with us. Please don't go away. It is the holiday season, and we do. We want to connect the dots from beginning to end. We're not going to stay in a manger. Uh, Jesus didn't, and so we won't. All right? We're going to follow the history of our Savior and see the course that is laid out for him. This is Lifeline, our Truth For Today edition, with your guest host, Pastor Phil Howard, here on KFAX. You can join Pastor Phil Monday through Friday, 530 in the morning, Sundays at 8.30 in the morning. Truth for today, right here on KFAX. If you'd like to know more, visit the website truthfortodayradio.org or give them a call, 855-833-9864. A brief time out. We're going to pay some bills, keep the lights on, and we will be back. And now, from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. You are tuned into Lifeline. It is our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline with guest host Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, Pastor Emeritus, which which simply means he's got an awful lot of years of of wisdom stored up that's just... (laughs) leaking out now, and, and we've got more chances for it to leak than just a Sunday morning on a pulpit. <laughs> well, that's better than me hearing uh, emeritus means we don't know what to do with them. So I, I like your definition a lot better, uh, Andy. Listen to what Hebrews 2 says. I begin at verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? 
a son of man that you care for him? You made them, speaking of human beings, a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. But in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to mankind. But what we do see is Christ was made lower than the angels for a little while, 33 years. He took a position of being lower than even angels in his humanity, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So here we have a Savior that says, "Uh, Father, I've been on the throne with you. We've created the Milky Way. We've created planets. We've created the whole spirit world, which there seems to be as many spirit beings as stars. We're talking about billions of things he has created. But I've got this one little planet down there, and I've got only one project where men are made in the image of God. And it's been marred by my arch enemy, Satan. They took the bait. They fell. They're dying. They're in misery. Father, I choose a form in which I could suffer for them. I don't want to be exempt from their pain. Uh, I could stay on a throne. I can continue to be worshipped by the seraphim. And continue being magnified in your eyes, Father, and the Spirit. But I choose a position of suffering. I choose to suffer. It's sort of like uh, the story of the Moravians that were great missionaries out of Germany, and, and they launched even out of England. And they wanted to reach slaves in the Caribbean, working in the sugarcane fields. And the story is told of two such Moravian men who said the only way they could evangelize is they'd have to sell themselves into slavery Mm. because the slave owner would not let them visit his island and evangelize these people. Mm. So they said uh, uh, their, their motto was, is may Christ see the fruit of his redemption. And so they sailed for a Caribbean island. I don't know if it was Dominican, if it was Haiti, which one. Never heard of again. Uh, But they said, you know what? You're worth it to us. Yes. Uh, We're willing to expend our life to get the gospel to you. Now, let's. Let's switch that. Here God the Son is not saying, uh, I was worth so much because he saw me in my rebellion and my worst state. But he said, uh, you're worth this much to me. You're worth this much to the Father. And we don't want a love that won't suffer. You know, it's really something uh, to love that which only brings you benefits Benefits, benefits. But here we have, he's willing to stoop lower than angels. He lived in a house that had an outhouse. 
He lived in a house where he could never take a shower. Lived in a house where there was no air conditioning nor heat. He lived, uh, we get the picture sometime, his wardrobe wasn't multiple. I mean, Mary made him a garment that they even gambled for. Uh, It is overwhelmingly uh, moving to see the poverty to which he would go. And uh, I don't know how much stooping there is in your heart or mine, but uh, I wonder if there's enough stooping in me to wash the feet of men that will betray me Mm. and love them to the end, according to John. But the first thing he says is, I'm willing to take a position that does not exempt me from suffering. Right. Whether that's ridicule my birth, my origin, call me a child of fornication, uh, call me an illegitimate son of a Joseph. It does not matter. I, I count that in the cost of redeeming a people for my sake. Hmm. You were talking about that in 1 Peter 2, uh, just came to you, verse 21. For to this you've been called, you Moravians, you Americans, you everybody under my grace. To this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Holy smokes, man! Now, now, now this now this little baby in a manger is starting to exact from us something. <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? We, you know, so many people want to leave Jesus in that manger. He's helpless there. Yes. He doesn't demand anything from us, does he? No. But I, and I love the the way John starts. He doesn't start in the manger. He starts with deity. And he starts, yeah, he starts up there because it's going to require something of us. He doesn't give any genealogies. He steps out of eternity. Right. And here he is. What are you going to do? And I came to my own, my own things. A donkey would submit to me, but not my people. Yeah. But my own people would not have me. But to as many as welcome me, I'll make sure they become my children. So when you think of why did he come, you don't think of this at Christmas. He... I had a God that said, I will put myself in front of the moving truck. Uh, though it may hit me, the cross is before me for my birth, for my decision on the throne. Because Revelation thirteen eight says, he was as a lamb slain from the foundation. So there's no mystery here. Uh, God didn't force him on the cross. You, you hear some of this... Uh, uh, aberrant theology that says, well, this was be child abuse or cosmic rape. No such thing. The father and the son made the plan together, and the son said, I am willing to be the lamb. Man, I, you know, and, and I think for most of our listeners, I, I, I would really encourage you to stop and consider where we're going with all of this. This is, you know, it, it is. It is easy to market Christmas as a baby in a manger and leave it there. Jesus doesn't come so that we can remember him in a manger and create all these wonderful lovey-dovey songs for for the Christmas holiday. No. Uh, you know, uh, baby in a manger, all that stuff. 
I I put up on our uh, screen at our church. Uh, I I always I use it all the time. It, it's my favorite Rembrandt's uh, Descent of the Cross. It's where Joseph of Arimathea and them they're they're pulling Jesus off the cross. It's a black background and it's like there's a spotlight on it and they're pulling this dead body off of the cross. It's Rembrandt's painting called The Descent of the Cross. But then I interpose Isaiah 9 on there. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. This is why. We don't stay in a manger. We end up on Golgotha on a cross. We end up in a brand new tomb for a couple of days. And then we end up in heaven because that tomb gets emptied from Jesus coming back to life. And he's alive again. God is satisfied. That empty tomb is the Father's amen to the Son's it is finished, as Gurnall said. And that's where we have to camp. That is what this season of Advent is all about, isn't it? That's what it's all about. You see, uh, if we keep him tame, he can never be Lord. Uh, He's... uh, he comes in weakness and in poverty and in humility. He says that in Philippians. He says it in other places. But as you said, he he grows. He becomes a man. He preaches a powerful message in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, th- this is eternal power wrapped up and constrained in a body. Because to destroy us could have happened in a day. To save us took uh, 33 years perfection and then a death like no other. Now, I, I, and we've got to go to a break, but just to, just to confirm all of this, I, I, tell my, I, I tell the children in our congregation, you don't, I, I, I kind of poo-poo the, the, the manger a little bit because people want to stay there. And we don't stay there. But for you kids and for you parents of little kids, know that Jesus has experienced from infancy. He knows our every weakness. Now, that isn't just for adults. No. That's for kids. All the way. Oh, there is no distinction with our elder brother, the Lord Jesus. He loves children, infants, because he was one. He was one. He, he knows our every weakness. Uh, we, we've got to take a break. We're going we're gonna to continue. If you'll stick around, we'll come back. I promise. This is Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, your guest host tonight here on KFAX. And now, from our Northern Command studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. Hi there. Welcome back. This is Lifeline, the Truth For Today edition of Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. You can learn more about us at truthfortodayradio.org. Or simply tune in and, and join us Monday through Friday right here on KFAX at 5.30 in the morning or 8.30 Sunday mornings. It's a great way to get your day started, no matter what day you choose. We are talking, of course, obviously, here on the 22nd day of December about the Advent, the coming of uh, our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man, as the hymn writer put it. And we're exploring all the glorious facts 
facets of what God has done in his intersection with his humanity and and, and his creation. And, uh, man, We're just picking up some of the divine reasons. Hebrews says, here he is. He's trying to uh, argue with uh, Jewish professors, uh, breaking away from Judaism, maybe, and uh, breaking away from the temple. This is radical, to come to Christ as the superior sacrifice, the superior high priest. I mean, this is a radical thing that's taking place. It could cost them their job, their ethnic identity. Christianity is costly here, but their baptism would alienate them. But he's explaining why Christ is worthy of their trust. And he picks up in Hebrews 2, he says in verse 10, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. This is an NIV, and it adds that. So the men and women, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Uh, It's an amazing thing to be under someone who has been in battle and can tell you how to live versus somebody that only has theory. Someone said, we're moving from the cleanliness of theory to the mess of reality. Hmm. And Christ is no theoretical savior. He is a savior that suffered uh, at the hands of men, suffered rejection, couldn't do miracles in certain towns because they rejected him, his own hometown. They took him to a cliff and were going to throw him off. And he miraculously walks through the crowd. No, no, he was not applauded in his neighbor. His own brothers, physical brothers that he had, never believed until him the resurrection. Uh, this man was... Uh, uh, it, I I moved by Isaiah 52 that he said, there was no beauty that we should desire him. And and yet, yet children were never afraid of him. And and children are afraid of whom we would call ugly, uh, freakish, frightening, uh, frightening. And yet that they were drawn to Jesus. And yet Isaiah is picking up. He got to a place that even his external beauty was exchanged for our shame Hmm. and for the disgrace of our sin that fell on him. So he says, here, my pioneer, my leader, uh, he has suffered more than anyone for this cause. And would you follow such a leader? And he said he was qualified to do all that he's going to do for us, even in this chapter, by the things he suffered. Are you, have you been falsely accused? Have you been unappreciated? Uh, have you been lied about? Uh, have you been falsely accused? Uh, all, all the litany. When I told my father that... Uh, as a young boy that I felt God was calling me to preach, uh, he jumped all the way to pastoring because he wasn't excited that I wanted to preach because he had tried it and he would saw the downside. 
And he said to me these things that I didn't appreciate at the time. He said, son, are you willing to be uh, falsely accused, misunderstood, and unappreciated? And I thought, what does this have to do with what I just told you? He said, it will be the price to lead anyone. It will be the price to pastor, for you're not going to be exempt from suffering these things if you choose to lead God's people. Mm. And uh, we all will have our share of this. Nothing, nothing like the Savior. And we're in good company. He said he fitted him to be our leader by what he suffered. What I mean, didn't say by his degrees, Mm-mm. didn't say by what size ministry, uh, by what he suffered. And the marks Paul said in Galatians, see how I bear in my body the stigma, the, the wounds of my ministry. Some, the term is used of tattoos. It was used of body piercing. He said, examine me and you'll see the price I paid to get the gospel out to the world. I fill up in my flesh what remains of the sufferings of Christ for the sake of the church. For the sake of the church, and you can examine me, the wounds. They're all there. You talk about migraine headaches after a stoning. (laughs) I just wonder what he retained from the stonings. Right, yes. The the physical breakdown. Yeah, yeah. You can't help but wonder if, you know, that was a a, a cause of the weakness of his eyes. or you, You just don't know. You don't know. But here he says here, he came to suffer. Uh, He entered in that arena. And uh, And he doesn't suffer stoically. He doesn't suffer like, oh, look at me. There's no pride in his suffering. The hymn writer gets it perfectly. Man of sorrows, what a name. Ruined sinners to reclaim. There's a a goal here. He is willing to suffer this, not for pride's sake or stoic's sake, but for our sake. And you bring up something very interesting that... uh, even there, there are theologies and some views that will make God an emotionless God. No. The stoical mindset no, of no, which no, no. the Stoics, as they trained a young boy, they would teach, they would kill his pet, uh, maybe a dog or a little sheep. They would kill animals in front of these boys. And they were not allowed to whimper, shed a tear, because their theology was apathia, apathy. Apathetic. You you must not feel. Yeah. And they they imposed this on God. But we're going to see as we keep going in Hebrews, this is not a God exempt Mm. from our feelings. He has entered in through his suffering, through his humanity, my, my, nobody knows you like Jesus. Well, and that brings up another point, Phil. I, there's a lot of folks who seem to think, well, you know, it's God in just a human body. <laughs> and it, and, and, and it, the God part has the, the overarching emphasis here. And, it, and I love the way uh, one saint put it. He is as much man as if he was not God. And he's as much God as if he was not man. I mean, he can't. Perfect. He cannot say uh, that 
that he empathizes. He he knows our every weakness. If he's just a god in a human body, no, no, he's he, a human. He I, changed that. He stepped he down is. from a throne. Yes, and uh, think of it. Uh, I'm weeping and I'm snorting. If you look at the Greek in John in, eleven, yes, yes, at, oh. at the death of my friend Lazarus, yeah, I'm not exempt from suffering. Yeah, and I tell people at Christian funerals, I said, you have a right to cry. You have a right to groan. You have a right to grieve. God provided you a time to mourn. It's just, you've got hope despite the tears. Right. Hope besides the assignment. Uh, there is hope. Right. So, he says, I came to suffer, and it only further qualifies me to lead. Yes. Because my people can never say, you, you don't understand. You right. don't know. Said, oh, "Oh, I far understand more than you'll ever know." Hmm. We are uh, we're picking some low hanging Christmas fruit here on Lifeline tonight with Pastor Phil Howard, our guest host on on Lifeline. If you would like to know more about Truth for Today, join us Monday through Friday, five thirty in the morning, Sundays at eight thirty in the morning, or online truthfortodayradio.org. As I said, we're picking some low hanging fruit out of Hebrews. Why did Jesus? come to earth? Why did he take on humanity? What are some of those reasons? Well, that's what we're exploring tonight here on Lifeline. Quick time out. We'll be back and explore more. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. Hi, welcome back. It's Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, your guest host. Myself, Andy Froyland, the, uh, just kind of keeping the, the clock going. I, you know, just, I'm, I'm the technical guy around here. I just, I, I throw the, I throw the big fat softballs to, to Pastor Phil so he can hit the low hanging fruit and send well, it out of the park. We're in the middle of the grape sobesco. Uh, as are. in the promised land here, we look at this great narrative. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Listen to what that is saying. Jesus himself is holy, and he's creating a family that will be set aside and be treated as holy. Now listen to what, this is astounding as you read it. He goes on to say, So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. Jesus said, even in Psalms 22, the famous words are, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 1. But he ends Psalms 22 with praise that he's going to share a meal with his brothers mm -hmm. because of what he did on the cross, and they're going to have a meal. And is it not amazing when you read John 21, my Savior is fixing breakfast for the men that forsook him. Mm. And he's saying, uh, come, let us eat. I, he never brings up to Peter his denials. 
<laughs> he just asked him, do you love me three times? But he never did remind him of his failure, did not remind, none of that came up. And so here he said, I'm doing what I'm doing because I want to create a family of brothers. I want to create a family that can only come about if the elder brother goes and takes on the enemy. You know, it was, uh, when I read this passage, I often think of uh, when I was growing up in the projects, uh, many a time, since there's five of us kids, uh, two sisters and three brothers that were alive, and my mother, uh, who was a devout mother, uh, she buried kids, so she was really uh, affectionate towards us kids. If any of the neighborhood bullies would beat me up, let's say seven years old, I was young in the projects, uh, to the dread of my brothers, my brother David would have to go out. If they beat up David, here comes Paul. And if they beat up Paul, then shows Euro, because my mother would fight him. Uh, in other words, it's not going to stop. And here Christ, my elder brother, said, uh, I'll fight the enemy. I'll pay for the sin. I'll set these men free and put them in a holy state. I will make a family of brothers. And is it not something that you can call Christ an elder brother and not be sacrilegious, not be trite with the Word of God. He said, I call you my brothers. I mean, that is overwhelming. Uh, you, you, you see a sense, I, I'm just thinking back on, you know, the illustration of, uh, uh, of Jesus restoring Peter. There's, there's, there's no... I... I I, I see Judah saving Joseph. I see Judah coming back and, and saving Benjamin. Our elder brother, that's... He's, he's about saving. He's, he's about protecting, guarding, restoring, redeeming. But he didn't get this family on the throne. No. He got it by the trip to the earth. He did. He did. He came down to where we are... And uh, just think, the men that betrayed him are going to become foundation stones. And uh, how many lives, us men included, would we expect to hear, it's over, I'm done with you, you've sinned enough, you've failed enough, and instead he said, no, you're a brother, uh, I put you in the family at the price of my death, at the price of my suffering, and uh, I want to treat you like family. And it's never, never treat. He said in Hebrews 12, even when you get a spanking, it's because you're not illegitimate. And you're saying, I know you love me, but you don't have to prove it right now. I'd like to get out of the spanking. He said, no, you're mine. I think it's one of the biggest lies that Satan purports, and it is one of the biggest lies that the church, that Christians have bought into, is this notion 
that we are the straw that breaks the camel's back. This sin I've just committed, oh, it's done it. I may as well just give up. Oh, I can't. Satan just loves to camp right there with us, doesn't he? Yes. He he just loves to just turn the screws on. Well, you've messed up now. God's done with you. And that is the furthest thing from the truth, isn't it, Phil? Furthest thing. He, I used to think, and I think many believers, uh, maybe not. I, I grew up so ignorant of so much. I was saved despite what I knew. Because yeah. I didn't know very much. But uh, when I sinned after I was saved is when the confusion. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I didn't know the way was back. Uh, I didn't know that my birthright was intact. I didn't know if my family status was intact. I was totally confused about that and wondered uh, for years if I was still on probation. And then when you finally see a passage like this, I will make you my brothers. And uh, it came to make us holy, holy. And that John one twelve to as many as received, I gave the power to become children of God. And uh, uh, you men are fathers. We've all. Um, I, I had a man sharing with me this past week a disappointment from a child, and uh, did not meet the expectations they wanted. Whatever, but I heard nothing about disowning. Hmm. Yeah. I, I heard nothing about, uh, uh, I'm sorry we had the child. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I remember my wife, when we were going through a serious time with the child, uh, and uh, a lot of things were happening. One day she said, never forget, she'll never have to look for another set of parents, for I will die with her. And she said, I hope you will. Hmm. She said, even the church can get a pastor, but she must never look for another set of parents. Hmm. And here's God, God saying, oh, my sinning child, my sinning child. We haven't even got to the text what he's going to say about the sinning child. Hmm. He's going to deal with it in this passage. Yes, he is. But see, you, you're asking me too many questions, and your face is beaming so much. I don't know if we'll ever get there. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like Radio Christmas. <laughs> we, we, these is, this isn't low-hanging fruit. It's, it's an advent calendar that we're just opening up all at once. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And we, are, we are doing just that. We are looking at God's Word to explore some of the reasons Christ became man and dwelt among us and they are glorious reasons they are just amazing and we're just pulling like i said low hanging fruit out of the book of hebrews here and as well as john is uh too uh, we do need to take another time out we're going to uh pay some bills around here and take care of some business uh this is our truth for today edition of lifeline with pastor phil howard your guest host Thank you again, Mr. Craig Roberts, for the opportunity to do this. To learn more about Truth For Today, you simply visit the website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can also call if you're if you're the speaking type and you just love talking instead of typing. Uh, that's me. I think that's most of us. Uh, you can give us a call, 855-833-9864. And then, as always, 
join us Monday through Friday, 5.30 in the morning, 8.30 Sunday mornings. Truth for today right here on KFAX. Quick time out. Back with more. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. It's Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. Yours truly, Andy Froyland. Uh, just kind of running, running all the cool buttons around here. What we are doing tonight here on Lifeline, our Truth For Today edition, is I've, I've called it low-hanging fruit. I think I like this one a little bit better, Pastor Phil. I, we're opening up all of our little doors on our Advent calendar, and, and the, the calendar is Hebrews, and we're looking at reasons why Jesus came. And reasons why he came, and, and they just keep rolling off. I think we're what? Where are we at? Number four? We're, let's see. Four I or five. At, uh now we're going to five. Number five. All right. So that's, you know, the door number five for our Advent calendar. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Now notice this, that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. And you expect him to say Jesus, but he doesn't here. That is the devil. Yes. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And so one of Christ's purposes in coming is he's going to meet the devil on his turf. He's going to come here in a garden. We lost our lives. We were killed in Eden, we started dying on the day we ate the fruit, and he's going to go to a garden called Gethsemane, and he's going to wrestle and drink a cup that includes the cross, and he says, I'm going to see to it that the devil is rendered powerless from now on to torture my people in the realm of death, because what is Christ? Eternal life. He that has the Son has eternal life. And he says in Revelation, he has the keys of death and of Hades, of the grave. I'm in charge. And this is the consolation, dear friend, of those who are believers in Christ. I was terrified of death before I was a believer. I was only a teenager, but I'd heard so much about uh, in the 50s, Russia's going to invade us. Uh, Richmond, California was a war town. And so I heard so much about World War II. My uncles were in the Pacific Theater, killing, slaughter, Iwo Jima, Okinawa, all of that. So I was aware. Oh, we had the school drills. This, we, constantly. Yeah. We were under, I, I remember being at Nystrom School, getting under that desk. Death, uh, alarms, sirens going off, blackouts. There was a awareness. And so death, death was haunting. And it's haunting the human race. I, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I don't know what's out there. What's out there? And now, according to Jesus, I have destroyed or rendered inoperative the power mm. of Satan to torment my children. Now, the, that man outside of Christ doesn't have hope at death. He had, All of his riches will perish. All of his hope will perish. His drugs won't get him through. His booze won't get him through. No, you're scared of dying. Is this the last party? Is this the last night? And yet, 
to those who were believers. I've seen poor Christians. I grew up with many poor. I tell you, they died with smiles on their face, and they shouted at their funerals, and we sang until we nearly dropped because we had hope, and we knew that Christ was in charge of their death, not the devil. Christ, because Christ says, He who believes in me shall not see death, but he shall see life. John 8. And so, what I often think of, we were thought of people when they were dying. You had the uh, horseman on the black horse in the cape, and he's riding in to reap uh, someone's. There ain't no black horseman coming in after the saints of God. We die through the agency of Christ. In the Greek, it's beautiful. First Thessalonians. It's a little preposition, dia. And it means through the agency of. All who die through the agency of Jesus will go to sleep. And I'm telling you, believer, if you weren't a Christian for other any other reason but for your dying day, Mm-hmm. Your dying day, that Satan has been knocked out of He will torment when he can. He'll accuse you up to the last. But he said, I came. One of the reasons I came, I want to deal a death blow to Satan's power to torment my children. What about Job? Mm-hmm. He had to tell, he had to tell Satan, don't take his life. Why? Because he could have. Yeah. And he said, you could take his health. You can take his children, take his wealth, but don't take his life. Right. I I guarantee, thank God he destroyed Satan's power in the realm of death. That it's a it's a it's an odd little side road, but in many ways it, it brings comfort. Because when you talk about that, I immediately go to John where Jesus says, You are of your father the devil. And I think, okay, well, all right. Um, my father is God. Your father is Satan. You're enslaved. And now, all of a sudden, that man or woman who is railing on me or, or, or you know, doing road rage or whatever, you know, treating me ill, um, it takes on a different view. It, it's, not a, it's not a woman or a man who's mad at me. It's, it's a slave doing their master's bidding. Absolutely. And now, instead of retaliating with some sort of anger, I, I have pity. It leads to compassion. Yeah. And now I'm praying for them. Absolutely. With earnest. With, not, not with self-righteous, oh, well, that's what i got to do. i got to pray for my enemy, so let's pray. No. Now I've got some compassion because I see it for what it really is. This person is bound to their master, to their father. Yes, they can do no other, and it's not that person coming at me. It's Satan trying to trip me up as a child of God. Well, and uh, if you want to see how the race is doing, I recommend you hang out at a VA hospital or a hospital and watch the dying. Oh, and see, uh, you know, I remember uh, T. S. Eliot said, "So this is how man ends, not in triumph, but in a whimper." Yeah. For he said, he's like a rat walking on broken glass. Yeah. He he has no hope. And, and that's where Psalm 73, the psalmist said, I envy the wicked. 
until God showed me their end. And when I saw their end, I knew that their feet were put in slippery places. And here he says now, right in there, he's talking about the superiority of Christ. Why did he come? You're saying, what's Christmas got to do with my cemetery days? Oh, and my funeral said, so right there, I came and I paid a visit to the devil. And he demonstrated it with Lazarus. Come back, Lazarus. Come back. And imagine one preacher I heard preaching said, he was probably eating up there with saints and angels. And all of a sudden, he's having to wipe his mouth with a napkin and said, oh, pray for me. I got to go back to earth. <laughs> you know, he said he right? was having a ball. Right? But right there is one of the greatest prop. What power has Satan lost over the children of God? There's oh. no wages of sin for us. Oh. That's been ended. So we get comfort even in our... I asked my dad when he was dying. He was in the hospital 48 days, went from 210 to about 110. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went by one day when he could only whisper. And I said, and how is it going, Dad? He said, God gives me songs in the night. Mm -hmm. He said, I sing his word in my sleep. He said, uh, I, I do want to go. You know, he had always said, I want to go airmail, but I may go subway. <laughs> but I'll still be there. <laughs> what is it uh, Wesley said? Our people die well. They die well. We do. Because we know. Because our elder brother's gone before us. He's gone. And, and he paid the devil a visit right at his center death. Mm. Death and sin is his empire. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Where is your sting? Oh, it is gone because our Savior came. Why did he come? To, yes. to help you plan your funeral. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And the moment right after, which I think is far more fascinating. We need to take another quick time out. Number six on our nice little Advent calendar of low-hanging fruit out of Hebrews as we continue our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline and our look at reasons why Jesus came on Christmas. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we bid you a welcome back to Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, your guest host here tonight on Lifeline, the Truth For Today edition. Every fourth uh, Friday of the month, we get a chance to say hi to you and spend some time with you, kind of like a, a spiritual sorbet at the end of the week, you know, after all of the after all of the stuff that's dealt with from politics to social to everything else, it's nice to cleanse the spiritual palate with, with our Savior, the Lord Christ. And that's exactly what we're doing tonight as we explore Hebrews, the book of John, a couple of other places, looking at some reasons why Jesus came. Why Why contracted to a span, he's incomprehensibly made man. Why did he do all this? Why did he do it? Surely it is not unto angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a faithful, a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Um, It's an amazing thing that uh, 
Who would you want to represent you before God? Oh, Job in chapter 9. He said, I sure, he's telling, complaining to God. He said, God, I sure wish I had somebody that could put their hand on me and on you at the same time. And and his cry for a mediator was answered in the New Testament. There's only one mediator. But, but here he is. And I, I didn't come to help angels. I came down to help you messed up people that have gone far from me. Judaism is bankrupt uh, in Palestine at this time. The, the Sanhedrin is corrupt. They're owned by Rome, taking bribes, selling illegal. Caiaphas is crooked. They're buying off. I mean, they're going to try Christ with three nighttime uh, trials, all illegal. Uh, No sense of God, really. It was all money-making. And here he says, I come to help you poor children of sin to give you compassion. And I think it's interesting uh, if we can measure our compassion. I know some Christians are right about everything. Uh, don't don't go for them. Don't go to them for help because they're too right to help you. Uh, they're right about everything except their heart. Yeah. And Jesus said, "You hang out with me, you'll develop the ability to feel for somebody in a worse condition than you." And, and instead of saying you shouldn't be homeless because you're too lazy, or you've already got the situation, you've got it all figured out. And even in the church, uh, you know, lack of, um, I've had very few people I could tell my problems to and maintain my integrity because they'd either gossip, not sympathize, or say, what's your problem? somebody that can sympathize and he said I came one of the reasons I came is that I might become a merciful and faithful high priest and it's amazing isn't it when you take your sin to Christ he never acts shocked (laughs) he's faithful and just he says in 1st John bring it on Take a moment and unpack this a little bit, because I know we've got a lot of listeners who, with with their marginal understanding of Scripture and their life in Christ, a merciful high priest, all of a sudden I go to the Catholic Church and I'm looking at a guy in a box and I go, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. And now I'm doing seven Hail Marys and five Our Fathers. And that's not what our author of Hebrews is getting at, is it? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So, so unpack that a little bit for us. Well, you have a Christ that he said in, uh, I love what he said in chapter 5 about the priest. He said, every high priest is selected from among the people. And the people in matter, and he represents the people in matters related to God. He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. And here's our perfect God that says, I'm qualified by what I suffered. I've I've seen your leprosy. I've seen your adulteresses. I've seen your money changers. I've seen all the crookedness that's going on. I've seen Rome. I'm well acquainted with the human condition. And he said, I didn't have to sin to be acquainted. He was acquainted with all of our grief. 
Isaiah said. And so, he said, when you come to him, you come into a uh, merciful. And what's this word mercy? I'll tell you, B.B. Warfield, he wrote a book, The Person and Work of Jesus Christ. And it has one chapter on the emotional life of Jesus Christ. Prices worth the whole book. Uh, B.B. Warfield taught theology at Princeton for years. Brilliant, brilliant theologian. And he brings out the most common emotion used to describe the Savior on the earth. was not anger, but he did have anger. It was not this. Compassion was the leading word. And there was two words for compassion. One meant the gut-level feeling. The other one meant so moved as to be moved to action. Yeah. Uh, he could not stand uh, a blind man crying for his sight and say, don't you know I'm a very in-demand speaker? Uh, my itinerary is so... Imp- no, uh, Bartimaeus, what do you want? I'd like to see. Could you include that in your ministry? Yeah. And he says he was moved with compassion. And I have to say, uh, a lot of believers are emotionally constipated. <laughs> they, 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 they don't have emotion. They're afraid of And they think it's spirituality, but it's not. The fruit of the Spirit is emotion. Yeah. And here, it's just hard to imagine. You've done a sin. You've done it 15 times. Okay. You, You've done the sin 15 times, so other words, you're a repeat offender. And yet, to go back to a throne, that uh, if you could find any mercy, you'll find it with God. You may. I remember what David said. David, when he committed his sin of numbering the troops, and even Joab was outraged. He said, David, this is going to cost us. God is being insulted as though the number of our troops is the source of our victory. It's going to cost you. And when God began to kill the people and the plague began to wax great among them, David finally cried out in confession. And when God gave him the options of how he was going to punish him, he said, let me fall into your hands. For with you, there's mercy with you, there's compassion. Don't let me fall into the hands of men. And here, part of the earthly ministry of Christ and his qualifications to be our high priest is we have someone in the glory that will show you mercy and not treat you as you deserve. Mm-hmm. And someone that will be faithful. He will not undo his promise he will not undo his character for your sin. He said, he goes on to say, there's another reason I came. I came to make atonement for the sins of the people. And he uses, the NIV uses atonement. It's a uh, an ambiguous term in, in some ways because there was redemption, there was reconciliation, there was substitution. But the word used here is only used four times in the New Testament. It's the word called pro p 
propitiation. We don't use it much in secular English, but it's a magnificent term used four times in Scripture, used in John, 1 John twice, used in Hebrews once, used in Romans 3. And he says, uh, J.I. Packer says, it's the foundation of all salvation in the New Testament, this one word, propitiation because it says how can you make an offended God righteously satisfied and yet have any sinners alive when he gets through how will anyone escape being evaporated in punishment and still have the sin paid for the only way was this high priest who came, the Lord Jesus, and saying, let your wrath fall on me for every sin the believer did before they professed Christ and every sin they do afterwards. And that's, I have to say, after pastoring for years, I'm as concerned that saints are rescued from their sins as I am that unsaved man. Right. Because uh, I've got heaven made. It's just getting through the earth. It's uh, overcoming all the pitfalls down here, lust, pride, gossip, slander, uh, bad moods, irritability. I mean, this is Christians. We've got all these uh, hang-ups that we still cope with. Uh, and Paul said, I got through all the commandments, and I was great. I was about to get an A-plus on it. And then he said, you shouldn't covet. Oops. And when he said that, he said, it slew me. And wow. according to Exodus, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his animals, his wealth, his prosperity. And, and you don't even commit this as an act. You don't go out and, and try to steal the man's wife. It's just in your heart you want something that's not yours. Yeah. And he said, hey, we live with that. But here, my priest, my high priest says, would you bring to me your lust, your pride, your envy, your irritable temperament. You've got a lousy temperament. And C.S. Lewis said, some are bring a lousy personality to salvation, but it's no worse than indigestion. It's just a part of their humanity. And, and we've got to admit it. And that's, that, that, oh, man. Well, I tell you what, let's take a break and come back and continue because there's so much there on all of this. The, the mercy of God is really quite amazing. And I, I want to I want to dive into that a little bit more. This is Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, your guest host tonight. Truth for Today edition on KFAX. And now from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. We are back. It is Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard, our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. We are unwrapping some of these wonderful truths about Jesus and why he came and why we celebrate Christmas in this Advent season. And it's it's just been amazing. And as we left off on our last segment, we were talking about the, the mercies of God or, or God, Jesus. 
Jesus as our merciful high priest. He, he doesn't use gracious high priest, but he uses that word merciful. And and there's, I, I think for a lot of our listeners, Pastor Phil, there's, it helped to clarify some of that. And why is he a merciful high priest? What does that actually mean for us? Well, basically, he doesn't want to give you what you deserve. And in the context, I think we go to the high priest in the book of Hebrews, especially uh, with our problems, with our sins, uh, with our frailties. And, uh, you know, there's something about a chronic sick person. They quit getting mercy from people Mm. because what you're saying, get over it, get over it. Uh, I have a daughter that's had perpetual surgeries and health issues. I've lived with them all my life, one thing after another. And uh, my brother says he's a survivor of the survivor because he had to watch over me so much. Uh, but really, chronically, chronic people, I uh, dealt with a woman Sunday, same issue, nothing new, ambiguous in definition. And I thought, Am I being merciful? Uh, am I, the words translated at times, compassionate? But I won't treat you as your sins deserve. And David says this in the Psalms. He said, forgive me the sins of my youth. In Psalms 51, be merciful to me, wash me. Uh, God would not have a people if he didn't have mercy. Because he told Israel, you've been stiff-necked from the moment I started with you, and I've never chose anything but what I wouldn't have to put up with them a lot. And this God has a way of uh, making it seem like he's not putting up with this, but he's saying, that's why I came. Uh, I, I've i been qualified to be long-suffering. And I love what he says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3, that he's the God of all mercies. Just think of this, Andy. If you've ever received mercy in this life, the source of it was God, whether he's saved or unsaved. Right. Mercy is his specialty. I won't treat you as you did. Why did you get a second chance? Why weren't you killed? Uh, how is it you came back from that party? How did you survive that overdose? How did you? I hear the testimony of Helen Baylor said that when the drugs hit her so hard, she fell against the wall, fell to the floor, bodily fluids escaped from her body. And she said the last thing she remembered before she blanked out, my grandmother in Oklahoma said, I'm praying for you. I've been fasting for you. And he said, it's still been killing me like it killed our great singer gal on emotions. I'm going blank on her name, Whitney Houston. Instead of her dying, mercy saved her. Mercy spared her life. And we're all going to heaven because God's merciful and then gracious. He's given us what we could never earn or deserve. So mercy, I'm spared punishment. I'm spared what my sins 